This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And you're listening to That's the Ticket. Now, today marks episode 108, so I thought it'd be fitting uh, to welcome back an old mate. <laughs> Emphasis on the old. No, I'm kidding. I didn't realise you were up to 100 already. Congratulations. Thank you. Means yeah. a lot. Um, spoiler alert, Mike Williams is here. Um, you may recognise that voice from just general free FMing about, but also um, fellow arts podcast on free FM. Well, you yeah, guys are a theatre podcast, aren't you? Yeah, and taking a break at the moment, so we're actually not gracing the airwaves, but uh, we yeah. will be back. Yeah. We plan to regroup. The, that podcast is backstage. Uh, Mike co-hosts it with a friend of me and friend of the show, Mal Martin Booker. And, um, yes, you guys are on a hiatus. Selfish, but um, much needed, I hear, <laughs> considering all that you've got on, Mike. Yeah, well, we'd done a couple of years worth of shows, and uh, or about two and a half years, I think, we'd been going. So uh, with the number of commitments that both Mel and I have, uh, especially at present, and Mel's just had a change of job and things, mm. it just became obvious that we needed to give ourselves space to be able to do those things. So the podcast, I'm afraid, had to just take a backseat for a little while. Um, this is probably the last year, I think, when we're going to get that bottleneck result of things being postponed mm. earlier in the year. Yeah. So I've ended up with three things in a row that I wasn't <laughs> intending to have three things in a row. But You, know, that's, you say that, but I feel like you always find a way, Mike. Yeah, you have to. Because um, Mike never has an empty calendar. I don't think I've ever seen it. There's no, always something. It feels like that, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm free in May next year. <laughs> okay, if anyone um, has a creative project that they need assistance with, Mike is free in May. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he does a bit of acting, does a bit of directing. Um, you could probably do sound, let's be real. Uh, a little bit, yeah. A little bit of sound. Although I have to say, you know, the guys that are really, really good at it now are um, several streets ahead of what I learned mm. a million years ago when I started. And same with lighting. I, I learned lighting when yeah. I was at drama school uh, back in the 70s. But it's a totally different subject now. Different world. Way out of my depth. Oh, I'm just trying to think, what what else? Have you, surely you've done some backstage, eh, yep. in your time? Oh, yeah, yeah, all part of, you know, learning the whole craft of what theatre is all about. Mm. And uh, unless you do get a taste of everything, you can't really appreciate what everybody does for a start. But also you don't really get to zero in on the things that you may be particularly good at or have an affinity for. Um, but, you know, in the end of the day, I'm, I, I feel lucky that I've had opportunities to do all that sort of stuff over the years because it's meant that um, as an actor and as a director now, I have more of an, uh, an appreciation and an understanding of what individuals may go through uh, when working on a production. That's definitely what we liked here. I think I was just talking on last week's episode with um, Kate Dowry about how I think it's good for... Um, Actors, especially, to like have a crack at backstage because oh, yeah. then you know what's going on. Like, especially if you if you're into musical theatre, you need to know how how both sides live. 
Yeah, you know, because it's like you might be having a real handy costume change and stuff, but then to know what's going on with the set and stuff, I feel like it's it's a good perspective to have, which is ironic from coming from someone like me who um, only ever works backstage for musical (laughs) theatre. I was on stage in my youth back when I was a kid, Mm. and like being bad at singing was still like fine because I was little. So you can you know when you're a kid, you can never actually truly be bad at singing. No, that's right. You, You just do it. Yeah, whereas now if I, like, decided to have a solid sing, it would not be. People aren't going to be like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, They're going to be like... There's always plays, you know. There's yeah, sometimes I think about doing a play. Yeah, you should. But then I'm like, oh, if... Well, I was saying this to Mike before um, we went on air today, that if I'm going to do a play, I want to produce a play, not be in a play. Not be in it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it, it, you're right, though. I mean, and if all you ever did was perform... Mm. You can fall into a trap if you're not careful and if unless you get really good um, guidance or have a good mentor to help you through those early stages of learning what you, what stagecraft is about, for example, it's easy to get into a trap of thinking that um, that that's all there is and that that becomes the center of everything rather than just being a part of everything that goes together to make a show, whether it's a play or a musical or an opera, ballet doesn't matter. you know you've got twice as many people behind the scenes yeah. and, and prior to the show actually getting on the boards uh, than what the cast may be. Exactly right. And, I mean, I, I feel like my journey, because I'm making it about me because that's the ticket with yeah, Hannah Mooney, not I'm Mike sorry. Williams. I'm, a, no. I'm just an also-ran here, so <laughs> um, I know my place. Yeah, thank you. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, I started, you know, I used to be on stage like as a kid, and even into my uni days, like, was solely on stage. And then I produced my first show in 2016, and I'm like, yo. Right. Because it was the classic, like, oh, you're doing a business degree at uni. You could probably do this. <laughs> and then the rest is history. Yeah. But, but that's when you had enough to have the confidence to say, yeah, I can do that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And give it a go. I mean, I was terrified when I first did But then I did the thing, and I'm like, you did it. So maybe just try it again. Yeah. And then I did it a couple more times and here we are. I and mean, look, look at what you learn in the process though. Oh, it's definitely. Great. Yeah. No, I feel like when I've had you on That's the Ticket before, you have, um, I feel like you've said this to me many times, both on and off air, that when you do creative projects, what you like most about it is learning from other people. Yeah, always. Which, without exception. Yeah, I, And I have said that before. You're right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's stuck with me, so it must have must have been. Oh, it must have been words of wisdom. Yeah, I mean, good, good chat. I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a gentleman of a certain age. I yeah, know some yeah. Stuff. Mike's no, a silver true. fox. If um, no, no one knows. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, oh, okay. don't make it weird. Um, Mike is a very good friend. I'm <laughs> just a subtitle there, but. Um, yeah, so obviously you're free in May, um, <laughs> but a little bit closer to home. Um, oh, I think I want to start with Saturday Night Fever. Okay, because that's yeah, that's the show du jour. That's the, that's next next up. What would you like to know, Grasshopper? How's it going? Well, I'm in the uh, mid stages of uh, blocking, which is setting all the scenes mm. and how they how they will flow. The uh, choreography by Amelia Jennings and the um, music work that's been done by John and Hawthorne, all of that sort of stuff is is well embedded now. And mm. there's only I think a few um, dance sequences yet to finalise. 
So there's a lot of work already been done by the cast and they're already well committed to it. And um, I like very much what I'm seeing from the creativity of Amelia when it comes to uh, interpreting how these um, how these songs are going to be brought to life in terms of movement. She's got some amazing ideas and some secret things I won't tell you about. Well, we we aim to use as much fun. of Riverly stage as we possibly can so that okay. we've got as much movement and space as we can um, manage to make everything happen. That alone makes me want to come and see the show because okay. that's, that's, that's a big talk you're talking right now, Mike. Yeah, I know. Um, but that was our idea from the start and my, my vision of it when I got asked if I would um, direct it, I thought this is this is a show that has a lot of subtext to it and we can get to that a bit later on because there are some really serious and quite uh, challenging and sometimes a little bit triggering kind of elements involved mm. in the story which we will be handling in the most sensitive way we possibly can but underpinning all of that is the Bee Gees music and the disco vibe of the time it's got to be about the dance it's got to be about the music and in order for that to happen and for that to be the star really we need stage space and we need an atmosphere to make that happen so we've we've thought about all kinds of different ways we can achieve that without actually having um you know your archetypical disco lights on the floor we've found other ways that um, we can clear that space but still evoke all of that so it's all coming together if there is not a disco ball i'm walking there are disco balls <laughs> thank probably, goodness probably more than you need the limit does not exist yeah, with disco that's balls. What I, that's what I was hoping you'd say. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for some context, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I do like to do my research, but I feel like I didn't do as much as I normally do for this because I'm like, Mike's good for the chat. Um, <laughs> no, but Saturday Night Fever, it's uh, this year's Reveille Theatre Christmas show, correct? Yes. And Co-produced by Hamilton Musical Theatre and Hamilton Playbox. Yep, so real team effort, fundraising yep. effort for the theatre, I believe. It is, yeah. The theatre rebuild, which yep. all looks very exciting. It is. Um, visit the Riverly website to donate and see the plans and stuff. Um, never too late to become a part of that and become a, a part of the new history of the new building. And uh, regardless of what you're hearing about the new um, the new theatre build mm. in Victoria Street, there's... I mean, we, we need venues of different types and different oh, sizes. Oh, absolutely. Riverley as a venue is a venue that needs a, needs work. It needs a facelift. It needs to be expanded. And all of that is on the cards now. And that's mm. what we're fundraising for. So, yeah, good cause. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we've Riverley Christmas show, fundraising for the new build. And the show, Saturday Night Fever, is it uh, like... I assume it's it's very similar to the movie? It is uh, remarkably very much like the movie okay. in every respect. Lots of... Excuse the sirens. The I know. I'm like, are we going to draw attention to the sirens? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything about that. I mean, they're there. Um, the, the show is full of very short scenes that mm -hmm. tie together and some longer ones that explore things in more depth. But it's like watching a movie that you cut from one scene to another. Um, key character Tony is almost never off stage. Okay. And it's really, everything is from his perspective. It's his story. Um, Please tell me more about his story because I've never actually seen the film. Well, I've never oh, finished okay. the film. I have distant memories of being at The Batch with my mum and mm. her putting on the DVD or it was on TV and because I remember, this, I think it's at the start, he's walking down the street with a paint yep. can. That's all I remember. 
It's what a lot of people remember. <laughs> and they remember John Travolta in his white suit and all that sort of stuff. I mean, mm. there, there are images that came from the movie that came to define a period yeah. in history and came to define a lot about the um, fashions and the modes of the time as well. And I was a young adult when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. So for me, it wasn't defining so much, but it was certainly one that I noticed. And the fact that it was a movie that featured a soundtrack that was uh, written for that movie that was contemporary, it was uh, exploring an, um, a dance phenomenon that hadn't happened before, it was all new, it was all exciting, and the story had um, lots of dark elements to it. Um, you know, there are um, subjects like suicide explored in the movie and so on, which... Made such a, a very, yeah, made such a very challenging and very complex movie that um, I didn't know what to think of it when I saw it back in the day. I See, as I say, I know nothing about it, so I just assumed it was just kind of like... It's not a musical. But it's it not? Is, it is a dance movie, and, and it's about this young guy, Tony, living in Brooklyn, and he's 19 years old, working in a paint store, but lives to dance. Okay. And then he's hanging, you know, we meet his friends who he hangs out with, and they've got their own individual stories going on. Um, he's attracted to a girl that he would love to have as a dance partner, but mm. she thinks that she's above him. Um, Classic. So everything is... Tony exploring his life and, and learning what it means to actually relate to people and to have relationships and to also to support friends and things like that as well. So it's, it's about life growing up in the late 70s in New York City when times were difficult. Carter was president. The mm. country was going through amazing turmoil at the time post-Vietnam War. It was, yeah, really interesting time in America, interesting time in New York. And socially and in every other way, it was um, quite a pivotal period for much of the world. See, this is selling it for me because, I mean, I just assumed, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Mamma Mia, Mm. but I just thought it was going to be like jukebox, like, yay. I'm glad you brought that up because we can talk further about it if you want or or later about it, but... um, when I first thought of how Saturday Night Night Fever, the musical, might be structured, I, I imagined taking all of the uh, really gritty bits out of the movie and being left with a bit of froth while yeah, people that, sang Bee Gees songs. That's exactly what that's I was exactly imagining. what it's not. How um, good. And it's not like your average jukebox musical, and uh, Mamma Mia is a good example of one mm. that is because they've taken lots of ABBA songs from different periods yeah. over, over about a 25-year period or whatever, uh, or at least 15 to 20 years, and pastiched it together with a loose story to hold the, hold the songs together in some mm. way. Saturday Night Fever, all of the music was written for the movie. Yeah, which so I the, did not know prior to you saying it. Well, <laughs> the songs are of the time and they all um, have a cohesion to them that, that you just don't find in a jukebox musical usually. No. And they all help tell the story of Tony's growth and the things he learns and the, the tragedies that he goes through. I mean, they, the songs stand alone as top hits because they yeah, were absolute bangers but they are also absolutely great at storytelling and yeah. um against my better judgment i've started having them in my head 24 <laughs> 7 um, what i really like about what we're doing with it is that we're taking the um the singing of those songs to a different level john o'hawthorne's mm. arrangements and his uh, treatment of the songs is creative enough to actually make you think my gosh this song is all about blah 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 you know, it's not just a song. Oh, it's a beachy song. It's yeah. actually a song telling part of the story. Well, I feel like 
I mean, this today's episode is not going to help get BG songs out of your head because I'm going to play one in a minute because, <laughs> like, any excuse. But, like, since you kind of told me that you were going to be directing Saturday Night Fever and stuff, I'm like, Bee Gees? What do I know about the Bee Gees? And then it's not until, you know, you type into Google Bee Gees songs and I'm like, I didn't realise that they'd written so many hits. Yeah. Or so many songs that I'd know. Well, you you know. Go, if you go back to the early stuff, it's even more interesting because um, you know, I, I played one of their songs, uh, I might have even been this morning, um, Specs and Specs, I think it was, one of their very early right. hits. And it's such a great song, but it was at a time before they got into falsetto and did all mm. that disco stuff. Saturday Night Fever, when that album came out and all of their music was suddenly there in front of the public again and they were being carved off by the record company into, you know, singles, single yeah, releases yeah. and hitting the top of the charts, each one of them, suddenly uh, people became aware of this amazing band of brothers who were just so good at harmonising, good at their um, musicology, all, all the stuff about them. Uh, all the talents that they had suddenly were brought to the fore once again. But this is kind of like a second life for the Bee Gees at yeah. the time. And it's, um, it's showcasing their talents in a way that I don't think any other group has had the advantage of having before. You know, that they had a movie that suddenly was there showcasing yeah. all of the stuff that they did. Just Pretty incredible. In, yeah, it is incredible. And, like, they put in the mahi. I mean, you'll, you'll hear it, um, <laughs> everyone, uh, when I chuck on Night Fever, because Gotto... Yeah. Got to. But, like, you know, they're doing the hard yards with the harmonies. Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, just it's a beautifully structured song when you think about it. A timeless, flawless even. Yeah. Could we say flawless? Well, nothing is flawless, Hannah. I mean, I'm pretty close, I yeah, would I, say. I was going to say prison company accepted. So. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I'm going to have to... It's good. It's very good. I'll have to keep you on for the rest of the show then, do you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Go right. on then.
see driving. You saw me driving? Jiggling in the seat. <laughs> uh, well, I just feel like I caught a bit of night fever just then. The only thing that was missing was the pointy hands thing. That oh, you know, I'm not do. up to choreo, Mike. Let's not complicate <laughs> this, especially because no one can actually see us right now. Yeah. Um, that was Night Fever from Saturday Night Fever by the Bee Gees. Uh, you're listening to Free FM 89.0, independent community media. And um, I'm just catching up with Mike Williams today. Uh, we've just been talking about his next... what. Your, My current project. Your current project? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's not even next because you've got more on the go. But before I touch on those, I just feel like it's important to um, plug that Saturday Night Fever, directed by Mike Williams, is running at Riverley Theatre uh, 19th of November to 10th of December? Yeah, it's the Christmas show, which means it's going to be running Thursday, Friday, Saturday for four weeks, I think. Yeah, think. yeah. nice long season there, mate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 7.30pm shows, and are tickets available now? Yep. I ticket? Yep. Oh, right on the money. We've already got well over 200 sold. So, okay. Yeah. So you better book yeah. if you want to see it. Especially it's early days yet, but, yeah. um, you know, it's going to go off. And for a good reason. I feel like all your Saturday nights are going to sell out first. Because, <laughs> you know. Saturday night Saturday fever. Saturday night fever. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm really glad I explained that joke. <laughs> um, no, okay. So Saturday night fever. But um, you've got... Have you got another musical after that, or is there a sneaky play in between? No. Um, gosh, I couldn't fit a play in between. I've just finished a play, which we can talk about too if you want. But um, after Saturday Night Fever finishes, um, or while it's finishing, we will be holding, holding auditions for Hamilton Musical Theatre's production of Young Frankenstein, the musical, mm. which is uh, Mel Brooks's own story. that he, he did a movie called Young Frankenstein, then he wrote the musical from that. So um, it is a Mel Brooks musical, and I will be co-directing that with Jonty Clymer. Oh, you're co-directing? Mm. How yeah, so, good! Um, Jonty's probably going to shoulder most of the work since he's the one with the creative ideas in terms of this production. But he's wanting to uh, have a go at it, so we're doing it together. That's nice. Yeah. I've like I don't know if I've actually met Jonty, but I saw him in Geezers, yeah. um show you just finished, and. I heard him on backstage. Your mic had him on, right? Mm. Yeah, SpongeBob the Musical. That, uh, was that the one he chose? <laughs> That's I the one was, that yeah. he yeah. thought was awesome. Yeah. yeah. But Jonty and I have known each other for a while since um, I got involved in Tauranga Musical Theatre's uh, production of um, Blues Brothers First Contact, which was three years ago now. Oh, Gosh, yeah, that's making ago. me feel yeah. old, Mike. We were. It was one of the first casu- casualties, casualties of, of the, COVID. Of the first uh, COVID thing. We ended up doing it, uh, I think, about nine months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Jonty and I got to know each other through that um, and realised that uh, you know, we we enjoyed meeting the same sort of creative pursuits. He's also a musician, which I'm not, but um, he has uh, been involved in three productions that I've been part of now. Okay. Yeah. So you guys quite the dynamic duo. Becoming that way. I don't okay. know which one of us is the boy wonder and which is Batman. I'd rather you didn't answer that. Oh, okay. I was going to say you're but Alfred. he is younger than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, okay. And am I correct in saying Young Frankenstein, is it a classic? Does it count as a classic? Uh, well, it's classic Mel Brooks. Cause you know, I feel it's like in the same vein as uh, Blazing Saddles and the producers, if yeah. you like. Because um, it's, it's been around for a bit. All my knowledge of uh, Young Frankenstein is purely grounded on when you and Mel had it as the musical, musical, of, the week, yeah. musical of the week for backstage. Yeah. 
But um, I yeah, I had heard about it, and I'm kind of interested in it because I feel like with it's you don't expect it to be what it is, or at least I didn't based on the title. This is my thing, it seems, with projects that you do, Mike. The title <laughs> doesn't have me, but then I listen to it or I see it or I read it, and I'm like, oh, okay, there's potential here. Because yeah. like Young Frankenstein, I just expected it to be very, like, horror-y and stuff, but it's really quite no, it's fun. A, it's a total spoof, and, I know. It, and it's Mel Brooks' humour at its worst. I mean, that's why I liken it more to Blazing Saddles than anything, actually. Yeah. It's a huge piss take on so much to do with uh, classic cinema and about uh, classic storytelling and the whole Frankenstein story and everything. It, it just it does a, blows a big raspberry at everything and, and you can't take any part of it seriously at all. But it has to be played 100% seriously, yeah. otherwise it doesn't work. I know, the, the first time I listened to it, which I heard part of it on backstage and then afterwards I'm like, I need to listen to this whole thing. I need to figure this out. And I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. <laughs> I mean, which is what you hope for, right? Yeah, exactly. And my car's old enough that all I've got is a CD player, so I actually have (laughs) my CD stacker. Uh, That is one of the soundtracks I'm currently listening to when I make long trips. Okay. Along with Saturday Night Fever, uh, so that I'm getting to be 100% familiar with all of the music and the whole production. But it's a hoot. It's a total... It'll it'll be a... um, It'll be the kind of thing, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of another thing I could liken it to, maybe Spamalot or something like that. I mean, be... Producers is quite close yeah, as well, but it's even is, more of is, a... It's a little bit even more serious, but yeah. this is nothing but fun. Yeah. And Young Frankenstein, I think, will appeal to anybody that likes Mel Brooks movies and, you know, I, I acknowledge that his humour is not the, everyone's cup of tea all no. the time. But it's one of his films that is now regarded as one of um, filmmaking's great comedies of all time and he is the one who actually wrote the musical from his own movie so you know he did all the script writing he's done all the music so that's why it has so much kind of um, integrity to it in my book that connects and so all right so saturday night fever is you're ending the year with that right so as that's finishing um jaunty and i will be running auditions for um young frankenstein we'll be starting work on that in january and that hits the stage in early may Jeez, no rest, no rest for the wicket. Well, not for Jaunty and me, because he's currently playing Tony in Saturday Night Fever as well. Okay, there it is. Poor, <laughs> you guys are gluttons for punishment, aren't you? Well, we wouldn't have been in this situation so much if uh, it wasn't for the fact that we had to move geezers from March through to August. So we ended yeah. up with um, a bit of a log jam. And actually, Jaunty was in geezers. Yeah. He was Did quite an amazing good. job. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that show. Yeah, thank M- you. I mean, i got to say it on air, otherwise I didn't mean it. Um, <laughs> no, but, like, yeah, so when did that finish? Was it, did it end in August? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, 3rd of September. So 3rd of it September. ran over the last two weeks of yeah. August. Yeah. Oh, so, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, obviously it was a bit of a tricky process for you with the reschedule, but, I, I mean, did you have a good time working on the show? I did, and... I, I'm grateful, actually, that I got to spend a bit more time with it than originally yeah. um, was intended because having to come back to it and then bring it back up to speed and work with the cast, I found even more um, subtle things and things about the storytelling involved in it that I really came to enjoy even more. And to, 
to work with the cast and, and really get the very best out of it that we could was was such a joy. And the cast were also so respe- um, responsive to the ideas that I had and the things that I wanted to do. All of them did amazing work. You know, it was a cast of 10 mm. and not one of those people was superfluous at all. Everybody had a really critical part to play. Yeah, it really was an ensemble effort, yeah. you know. And which I, I love theatre like that. I love it when it's just like a whole crew, like, mm, you know. Getting on and doing it. Yeah, making it happen. But we uh, we wanted to present a, a drama that had some real feel to it, you know, that had a reality to it. And when I read the script a long, long time ago, uh, I wonder why I hadn't seen it anywhere because yeah. I thought this is such a great story and it was so unusual in the way that it was staged or the, or the way that, that it was described in the, in the script because there was nothing prescriptive about the way to do it. But just the, the, the narration, the storytelling, the way that it was put together, it just it spoke to me in some way. And, I, and when I read it, I thought, I've got to do this. I've got to be involved in it somehow. And I pitched it to Playbox. They said yes, so the rest is history. But Tommy Lee Johnston, the, the guy who wrote it, and I think I remember um, maybe talking to you about it ages ago, saying that... Uh, as a director, I like to, where possible, reach out to the playwright mm. so that they know what my intentions are. And um, Tommy Lee was really responsive and wanted to know more and more and more. So he and I have become email buddies over that time. He's in Chicago or near Chicago, um, had no way of ever getting to see the play. No. So he was super grateful for all the stuff I was able to send him, little video shots and things about how we were um, working on the play, the set design, all that sort of stuff. He couldn't say yes or no to anything because that's not the playwright's no. role. But he was just so grateful he could have uh, just seen get so much insight yeah. into you know something that he created yeah. and kind of gifted to the world as being enacted or perceived yeah. and you know. And uh, after a Hamilton. few exchanges with him, you know, it became clear that this and um, our staging of Geezers was in fact the very first time any of his work, and he's done about four plays now. It was the first time any of his plays have been produced in New Zealand. So we had a New Zealand premiere of okay. his work, which was really cool. You know, I was, I was so stoked. I was going to ask if that. he's got any more plays. He does, and there's one that I'd really like to do, which I, I won't tell you that about. That was going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> okay, you're not going to tell me about it? No, because I, I, I made you pass it on to someone else to do. Um, okay. And I'm not sure where it could be staged. It's not a huge play. It's um, it's actually... Well, a little bit shorter than Giza's was, but it, it okay. also only involves three characters or three actors, um, probably about five characters, but, yeah, All only right. three actors. I'll allow you to keep your secrets. Um, mm. Is there anything else on Giza's that you're willing to share or add on That's the Ticket? Oh, you're probing, aren't you? I am. Um, I can tell you that uh, I had talked to my friends at 16th Avenue Theatre in Tauranga because I've done mm. some performing there um, and become, you know, very much uh, good friends of the, of the um, administrators at 16th Avenue Theatre. Mm. They had talked to me for ages uh, about possibly directing something next year and, and I showed them the script for Geezers and said, well, we're working on this. Um, maybe that would work in your market. I don't know. But I also floated a couple of other scripts to them. They came and saw the night before closing uh, of our season of Geezers at Riverley and um, 
Long story short, on the way back in the car, they couldn't stop talking about it. They were still talking about it the next day and thought, heck, yeah, we should go ahead and do this. So uh, Geezers will be presented on stage at 16th Avenue Theatre in Tauranga next October, and I'm uh, fortunate to have been invited to direct it again. This is why I probe, Mike. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. I, to be honest, you know, I hadn't thought about ever directing something for a second time, and I know yeah. that some directors do that. They say, oh, this is one of the series of shows that I do mm. and that's fine um, and I thought when they invited me to direct it again I thought do I really want to try to recreate something I've already done so well with and, and created such a great thing and then I thought yeah I do well yeah. I mean I assume are you going to have different actors you're going to audition yeah, it in yeah, Tauranga we'll, and we'll stuff we'll audition it in Tauranga and uh, see what uh, you know what performers come out of the woodwork there um, everybody was in the uh, Hamilton cast is most welcome yeah, yeah. to audition as well, of course. Um, and I'm not saying some of them might not. Uh, but, yeah, it's an opportunity to uh, look for new performers for 16th Ave and for them to market it to the kind of people they want to get into mm. their theatre and tell them all about what it is. Um, and for me to reimagine it in a different space. Yeah. And how that might be working, you know, in their environment, which is actually quite different from from Riverley. Yeah, your set is springing um, to mind. Yeah. It was, it was one of my weirdest ideas, which actually paid off. I know. Mike had a <laughs> cheeky, like, revolve situation happening at Riverley, which I feel like is an achievement. I mean, they've done it before, back yeah. in my day, in my OG Riverley days, Les Mis, 2005, 2006. And again with Noises Off. Noises Off, yeah. 2017. Yep. And then Mike goes and has a revolve because he's just like that. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was good, though. Well, it was it was, it was a solution it was to a to a, um, a staging, yeah, not problem, but uh, just a um, you know an issue that I thought, well, what's the best way to get an effect that I was after, and and making it kind of a revolve out of it worked. Yeah, but and I don't know if I can do that at Sixteenth Ave. I need to think about you know how I might stage it there. But I've got mm. twelve months to go. So. This is interesting, though. It almost makes me want to go and see it again in Tauranga. I invite you to come and see it. To, to see if it's different. It like, or how, how different. Yeah, that's Because obviously the, the, the play stays the same, but if you've got different as, um, actors, if you've got... It's you're gonna, in a different venue. It's going to have a different feel. Yeah. And um, I did the complete set design for the Riverley production. I won't be able to put that much time into it for... Um, Tauranga, but I, there will be aspects of the Riverley design mm. that I would like to echo. But I'm sure that the uh, whoever works with me on the set design over there will will come up with their own interpretation of some things. But as you say, you know, all of the cast members are likely to be different, so there will be different dynamics going on. There'll be different strengths and uh, so on with the individual performers as well. And there may be things that I think about between now and then that I might want to just tweak a little differently in terms of the way that the story is told. So I'm quite looking forward to it. I've, I've acted in shows for the second or even third time on mm. occasions, but this will be the first time I've ever directed something for a second time, and I'm, I'm kind of anxious about it in the sense that I hope I get it right, but I also think it's pretty exciting to have that opportunity. Yeah, to yeah, because it's not every day that you get the opportunity, not that geezers need... The season that's just been of geezers needs fixing of any kind, but it's not very often that you get the chance to have another shot or to yeah. try doing something different. Exactly. Differently. 
And I don't think I, I, I would certainly not be happy to try and do a, a you know carbon copy of what I achieved. No, here. well, yeah. I mean, it's become evident from our little corridor yeah. that um, that's not going to be possible anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, unless you you know teleport Reveille, um to Tauranga. <laughs> That's not going to happen, yeah. But I, I, you know, I'm really, um, I'm really um, flattered that they asked me to direct it because they could mm. have just said, "Well, thanks for the uh, heads up on the script. We'll pass yeah, it on to someone else." Yeah, we'll just else. poach that. But they liked what they saw at Reverly, and we're re- really appreciative of, of the opportunity opportunity to see the play come to life. Mm. And um, uh, you know, they then just said to me, "Would you come and do it?" So I said to my partner, "Guess what." <laughs> going to be travelling back over the Kaimais again. Uh, I feel like your partner has the patience or because you're just constantly in shows. That's, yeah, Linda's wonderful though because she totally supports everything I do and we do make time for each other. We have date nights and we do stuff together. She's got her own interests and other mm. things at the moment too but uh, she has always said this is who you are, this is part of what makes you tick. Uh, no way in the way I'd st- in the world that I would stand in front of that or would stand in your way and, and tell you you shouldn't do it. What so, a keeper. You know, you're a long time dead so I think you know, <laughs> do what you can while you can. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I just want to bring, bring that up because I don't know, I feel like I need a shout out to my own partner Jeremy he's also very understanding yeah. you know I work in events do a lot of theatre but um, it's it's underrated you yeah. know Th- uh, theatre wives and husbands and partners I am so appreciative of that kind of support because you know you also need that when you go home yeah when, when you come back after a frustrating rehearsal or something's mm. not gone right with the set build or something like that and you go home and you need someone who can just hold you by the hand or sit you down and say tell me about it yeah and you do, and it gets out of your system, and you get that love and support. And I, I, I'm so grateful for that. Linda's just amazing. Oh, I agree. I mm. have not met her, but I'm sure she has. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, just quickly, off um, talking about 16th Ave and Tauranga, have you directed anything there before? No. Okay. And that was going to be my debut, so that's why okay. we, were, we were looking for a script that would work. Mm. And um, that was uh, when I was... First working on geezers, I just kind of threw it at them and said, this is what I'm currently doing. You know, something like this would be good. So, boom, there we are. There we are. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you've got coming up that you're allowed to talk about or that you want to talk about? Oh, uh, just a couple. Just of, quickly. Just a couple of little video projects. Oh, yep. Classic Mike Williams. <laughs> I caught you in a um, Tammy Nelson music video. Yep. Yeah. That, that was weird. That came out of nowhere. I know, there I was enjoying a music video and then there's Mike and I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) This isn't what I was looking for, no. (laughs) My name is out there in a couple of places and and this one didn't come from my agent at all. It came from another source altogether. I got an email saying, would you be available to take part in a video? There's not much we can offer in terms of um, pay for it, but it's for a music video. They didn't say who it was for. Mm. Um, and I said, yeah, okay, is, is it local? You know, and they said, yeah, it's going to be shot in Hamilton. I said, all right, that's fine. Um, then they came back with the details and said, uh, okay, this is, and it, we need you on this date and it's going to be for eight hours or whatever it was and it's for Tammy Nielsen. And I said, I don't care what you're paying. I will do this. I, mean, I, I, I love what she does and I love her, yeah. um, her sass. I love everything about um, what she does on stage. She's a fantastic performer, a 100% performer. You know, she gives everything. And I'll tell you what, in eight hours of shooting that video, um, and it's only like a two and a half minute song, yeah. um, 
she just every single time was out there doing the lip syncing and everything, giving it a hundred percent like she would if it was a stage performance. She's a hundred percent true trooper, so I was really honoured to be part of that. I've got a little koha for it, but it was it wasn't about that. It was just about the opportunity yeah, to be involved. Yeah, being in a part of something. I will put the link up uh, to the music video with the podcast of this episode. So if <laughs> really? you, yeah, so everyone can put a face to the voice they've been listening to for about forty minutes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so if you don't like the That's the Ticket with Hannah Mooney Facebook page, now is a really good time to jump on Facebook and do that. Maybe give Free FM um, a cheeky like on Facebook yeah, too. Yeah, please do that. Because they're pretty good. Mm. And um, I'm going to stop you because I've got to get in Rick's pick. Of course you do. Yeah. Um, Has he chosen anything by the BGs at all? I don't think so. But now I'm quite keen to have a um, korero conversation with him about the Bee Gees to yeah. see what his opinion is on the Bee Gees. He will be able to tell you more about the early stuff, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, holiday, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. New York mining disaster, 1930, whatever it was. I'm pretty sure I rely on Uncle Rick to tell me anything about the history of any band, almost, because I feel like he'd, he almost knows everything. Um, no pressure there, Uncle Rick. But uh, going to go into Rick's pick now. And for those of you unfamiliar with this segment on That's the Ticket, uh, basically, I have an Uncle Rick. Uh, he's a great listener of radio, great listener of music. And when he found out I was starting my radio show here on Free FM, he's like, okay, I'm going to hook you up with a list, Hannah, and every week you can play Rick's pick. And every week I have, and I, I've been saying quite regularly now that it's great because it's one less job for me to do one less song for me to pick but um today i've gone for an elvis track cool because i didn't think i was that into elvis presley but there are quite a few elvis songs on um the rick's pick lists that i have and so i was listening to them this weekend when i was planning for the show and i'm like i'm not mad at this this is quite groovy so i've gone for classics stuck on you all right. Yeah? You approve? I do. That's good. I mean, your approval doesn't actually matter. It's Uncle Rick's approval. <laughs> that is the most Why important. Why are you asking me? <laughs> I don't know. Just, I just wanted to set up that joke so I could make fun of you, Mike. Thank you. You can shake an apple off an apple tree. Shake a shake of sugar, but you'll never shake me. Uh-uh-uh. No serio I'm gonna stick like glue Stick because I'm stuck on you I'm gonna run my fingers through your long black hair I Squeeze you tighter than a grizzly bear uh-huh. Yes serio Because I'm stuck on you Hide in the kitchen, hide in the hall Ain't gonna do you no good at all Cause once I catch you and the kissing starts A team of wild horses couldn't take her apart I'm gonna take a tiger from his daddy's side And that's how a love is gonna keep us tied Because I'm stuck on you I am the kitchen, I am the hall I ain't gonna do you no good at all 
daddy's side Then that's how love is gonna keep us tied Yes, sir, I'm gonna stick like glue Yeah, yeah, because I'm stuck on you I'm gonna stick like glue Yeah, yeah, because I'm stuck on you I'm gonna stick like glue Yeah, yeah, because I'm stuck on you. That was uh, this week's Rick's pick, Stuck on You, by the King, uh, Elvis Presley, not uh, King Charles III. <laughs> Too soon for that. <laughs> just to clarify. Um, just to clarify. But uh, I've been talking to Mike Williams today on That's the Ticket. Um, thank you, Mike, for talking to me today. I always feel like you know, I'm a bit of a fraud coming in here because I never know that I'm going to say anything that is actually worth listening to, and I don't know why you would think that necessarily what I'm involved in is all that interesting. But Always so humble. I'm here for you. Uh, you are, because I feel like, you know, we get a bit silly, but I feel like we also get some solid yarns in. <laughs> I mean, the time always flies by. Yeah. I mean, it does for me. I don't know if it does for you. But... Um, before we get to the end, I, I feel like it's always fitting to plug upcoming events and I do want to stress that I'm not the definitive guide because if I was, that'd be like two whole episodes just listing events because there's yeah. always so much on in Hamilton. But um, chime in if I miss anything out, Mike. Um, if I think of it, yeah. If you think of it. <laughs> Pop quiz, no. Um, in no particular order, Saturday Night Fever, uh, yeah. directed by Mike Williams, is running at Rivoli Theatre, 19th of November to the 10th of December, with 7.30pm shows. Tickets are available right now at iTicket. Yes. Um, get amongst it, see if Mike's um, can live up to his chat. Um, And then in other musical theatre news The Wintech School of uh, Media Arts Have an evening out featuring the songs of Sondheim and Schwartz Uh, That's on tonight actually um, At 8pm at Navarra Lounge Uh, Break a leg to everyone involved That's probably a bit of you because you were in um, Sondheim You're in Assassins Yeah I've done Assassins, Sweeney Todd Funny thing happened on the way to the forum You just need to do Into the Woods Yeah, never been near that one yet Oh that's actually my favourite yeah. Sondheim. Fun fact. I, I did Sondheim before I realised it was Sondheim. It was making <laughs> happen on the way to the forum and I didn't know how complex he was. Yeah, yeah, Until yeah. after I'd done that show and somebody said, oh, Sondheim is so difficult. And I thought, what? What? Yeah, yeah, because you just associate him with the... And then it's, yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, and then over at Clarence Street, uh, they've just put tickets on sale for their upcoming season of Greece in December. Visit Ticketek for more info and t- um, tickets to that. And then uh, capping off this week, The Meteor has comedian James Musterpick in with his latest show, James Musterpick Repressed Memoirs, on Friday the 23rd of September at 7.30pm. Tickets are available now at themeteor.co.nz. I feel like that's enough to be getting on with, at least for my own calendar's sake. I think, um, can, can I say that uh, one of the most exciting things I saw recently, you had to be that bloody woman at the Meteor. Oh, yep. I thought the staging and the reimagining of that from um, Courtney and Kyle was just incredible. And the energy and the commitment and the sheer punk value of that production was amazing. I was so jealous, but so grateful I got to see it. It was just a, a terrific night out and a great season. I was just going to be like, oh, who would you have been in that? And then I'm like, I know exactly who you would have been if you were in that. What, a more handsome version of Kate? Um, yeah, I don't know if I can... Can I say <laughs> Can I say the character's name on here? Yeah, why not? 
Um, King Dick said it. Yeah, it's still a role I would like to do one day. Still and, time. You know, I, hope that, I hope that time doesn't run out on me. But no, I, I really enjoyed um, That Bloody Woman too. Yeah. Uh, musically, it's quite cool. Like, I think when I had... I had Jane Leonard who played Kate in the mm. show and yep. Nick Bray on That's the Ticket um, a couple of weeks before the show opened. And um, I talked to them about how I often just listen to the original um, cast recording like mm. every week or every month. Oh, really? Yeah. No, mm. I'm, I'm a bit weird like that. If there's a show that I vibe... Then I'm like, cool. This is part I know, of the you're rotation. All over it for a long time, I, I do that. I, you know, I binged on yeah. the show for a while, and then I'll leave it for months. Mm. So there's, there's nothing I'll go back to on a. Oh no, hang on. Yeah, there is. Hades Town. That's, Hades that's, Town. That's one I keep going back to all the time. That's one of my other CDs in my car. Um, but you know, really, really, um, just I wanted to say, you know, big um, congratulations to Bold Theatre for um, that particular production. I, while, I, while I had the opportunity. I, hey, no. You know, I talk to that 100%. And there's a mic in front of you, so you might as well talk into it. Exactly. Uh, But no, it's back to me, guys. (laughs) But no, uh, I'm going to end on a sincere note for the first time during today's episode. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I look forward to seeing all your projects. Well, yeah, um, I'm sure that... You know, the people I'm working with are all wonderful and, you know, it's their hard work that you see at the end of the day. Mm. So they, they, you call them my projects, but it's just stuff that I'm involved in. Stuff that you're involved in. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, um, yeah, hopefully you have a good Christmas break because <laughs> I feel like that's the only time you're getting a break in the foreseeable maybe, maybe. future. Yeah, we'll see what see what the new year brings. Okay. At least I've got, I know I've got a gap between May and October, so I might squeeze a trip to Rarotonga or something All right. so, or just call so in now if you want to fill and I it. can actually get together again and uh, have some time yes but, um, yeah so, I mean what's life without theatre um, no? I don't know more time to listen to For that's the ticket with Hannah pretty, Mooney I think I, I, I suppose I yeah, walked into that didn't <laughs> I? yeah but um, <laughs> I'm going to end the show uh, with a song of my choosing which I would like to uh dedicate to my biggest friend and it is a song by Lizzo from her latest album highly recommend Mike it's called um, To Be Loved To Be Loved um, I'll be back next week Kakite guys Sheesh mm-hmm. <laughs> Girl I'm about to have a panic attack I did the work it didn't work <laughs> that truth it hurts that damn it hurts <laughs> That lovey-dovey shit was not a fan of it. I'm good with my friends. I don't want a man, girl. I'm in my bed. I'm way too fine to be here alone. On other hand, I know my worth. And now he calling me. Why do I feel like this? What happened to me? Oh, oh, oh. Am I ready? Supposed to love somebody else when I don't like myself. Like, ooh, guess I better learn to like this. Ooh, it might take my whole life just to do. He called me Melly, he squeezed my belly. I'm too embarrassed to say I like it. Girl, is this my boo? That's why I'm asking you, cause you know I've been through.
see what you wanna do. Think I'm ready? Ooh, think you like that? Think you like that? When I clap back like that, let me know. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.